Money FM 89.3. Best of Drive Time. In the Spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon. It is drive time. I'm Elliot Danker. It's now time for In the Spotlight. Performance reviews, water cooler conversations, and even being named Employee of the Month. Now, these define a day in the life of us normal employees uh, in a legitimate business. But guess what? It applies to those in large cybercrime groups as well. There's a new report by global cybersecurity leader Trent Micro. It's titled Inside the Halls of a Cybercrime Business. And it's uncovered the inner workings of cybercrime organizations. It revealed how such employees operate within hierarchies that increasingly resemble legitimate businesses as the group expands. Now, with Trent Micro's latest Cyber Risk Index finding that 89% of Asia-Pacific organizations are somewhat to be very likely to be compromised in the next 12 months, how will this report aid investigators in the ongoing fight against cybercrime? And how does this help us understand the criminal entity that we're dealing with. Well, on the line with me is Muthu Kuma, who is Director, XDR Business, Southeast Asia for Trent Micro. Uh, Muthu, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon. Uh, thanks for having me in the show today. Pleasure to be here. I'm very excited about this conversation. Um, but first, let's dive into a cybercrime business. I want to know a little bit about inside the halls of a cybercrime business. I mean, this survey, what was the methodology? How does the inner workings of such a business uh, work? Yeah, that's a great question. So we took a analysis and research based on some of the cases that's been, um, you know, arrested and closed, and we picked up that use cases and we investigated that. Interestingly, you know, when we compare to a couple of years back, we usually think the cyber criminals are pretty much someone who's just like programmers who's being destructive. But today, it's very organized. And they have clear objective and motives. You know, you can say different type of attacking group like nation state sponsored, hackvist. And the third type we're looking at is basically they're actually going after money, basically after consumers and enterprises and so on and so forth. So if you look into them, as you likely said in the beginning of the show, they even have watercolor conversations towards the performance review employee of the month. So there is a business model to it. So if you look at them, you can classify them into three different types of them. So the first one, basically the small type of cyber criminal businesses, they may have an employee size of uh, less than five and then have one management layer. And this person, potentially the investor, like the enterprise business you see today, they may be the one who invented the unique way of uh, compromising victims and try to sell the services to the market. And the revenue size is roughly less than 500K annually, approximate, estimated. The second tier of uh, business type, you can say, is medium size of business. And this business type of, you can look at the employee size, right, from 6 to 50, different type of uh, employees there. And they have two-tier structure of management layers and uh, recruitment posting goes on from there. And their annual revenue size is close to up to 50 million US dollars approximately based on different cases we picked up. And there is an enterprise type of businesses, which you can see it's pretty much like a large enterprise. These cyber criminal groups compete with other cyber criminal groups. They go through mergers and acquisition, try to buy different codes and programs to enhance the offering, reach out to more subscribers. And they even have HR teams help them network administrators, pen tests, account takeover specialists, people who actually kind of provide them payouts and et cetera, et cetera. So these are different, three different types we can see today. All right. Muthu, so I'm actually a, a former government investigator and I did specialize in profiling. We have profiles for various criminals, but with regard to this cyber criminal, it's a very different sort of profile that you would be building, especially hearing how you mentioned that there are different hierarchies, different tiers. How do we build the profile of a cyber criminal? Where do we start? 
So you can say in a way, you know, it's the motive and it's the objective. Yeah. Yeah. Once upon a time, it was all about, they were doing it, I, I guess up to two years ago, they were doing it for good sports. Now it's a job. Right. It's a full-time job yeah. for, for the enterprise businesses. They have eight hours work shift <laughs> and they have a direct, direct manager to report to. It's, it's pretty interesting. And I think recent incident, as you have this background, yeah. you know, the Conti ransomware uh, group leaked back in 2022, where we look at those chats. They have a monthly bonus scheme for those who succeeded and they have uh, employee reference bonus. It's pretty much a lot of data that we can see from there. Mm-hmm. Interesting fact that even those focus group can be hacked as well. So they have helped us in security teams, Pentas team, very well professionalized within the organization itself. Wouldn't that mean within these groups, they have their own intercompetition? Like you mentioned, a, a cyber crime group could be hacked as well. Do they specialize in, okay, this group only goes after SMEs and this group goes after global companies, that sort of thing? Not in terms of impact scope. We didn't go that far. But, okay. you know, it, okay. is, it is a common broad spectrum. Let's mm-hmm. say is how we can reach out to the more victims as much as possible. And these are subscription services, you can say. Someone in, in the report, you, you must have looked through it. It's like they have a hosting services. And right. there they say, hey, I have a list of botnets subscribed from me. You may reach out more customers, you know. Right, right. That's an interesting type of prototype they're coming up with. Do we know why they have decided to fashion themselves this way, like a proper organization with proper bonuses, etc., etc.? Is there a reason why they've decided to do that? It's a lucrative business, actually, in mm. a way. There is a profit line attached to it. That's why I was saying the annual business was revenue for large enterprises above 50 million US approximately, based on different cases. So there is a revenue stream. And they would tap on those resources and skill sets across the globe, and it's not just one place, mm. and where they can see they can hire a programmer for $2,000 a month, right. and they may have a day job, a night job, they may work with them to really uh, work on this program. So there is a business uh, motive attached to it. Of course, there's a revenue stream, like ransomwares and so on and so forth. That's the motive behind it, yeah. I would say. I, I would assume then there would even be things like an interview, like you'd have to have a particular qualification, or if you've got management experience. Right. And if you look through this forum, there are, in the dark web, you may not yep. see it, but some of them still use some of the LinkedIn posts. You need to be careful there. Mm. They use looking for specific skill set. We need these type of people working on the shift basis, and these are the deliverables. And, and they even broadcast their package schemes and so on and so forth to get those talents and retains. And part of this conversation when we intercepted from the Conti League, there are employees who are just you know, expressing their fear to the HR. Hey, mm. I'm concerned working for such an organization. I have two kids and this is all captured in there. Right. So it's typical human like us who get dragged into such an organization group with the revenue stream, of course, capitalizing on you know other side of the skill set around the globe. I can't wait for the day that we talk about diversity within these uh, cyber groups because then we you know Things are really getting ridiculous, Muthu. But having said that, with the entire structure that we've just painted and more or less the mind of a cyber criminal, the profile of a cyber criminal, is it because of this organization and career path that makes it very difficult for the good guys to catch the bad guys? Because it is that lucrative. It's two sides of the coin. Sure. So when this is more lucrative and there's a profit sharing methods, there's affiliates accomplished, you don't have to be the quarter. For mm-hmm. example, if you look at the model, someone from, let's say, the best part of the world can be the inventor of the group and he can hire some programmers from the, the West or East and then that guy can just find some of the marketing groups mm-hmm. to publish the services and then there's a different level of people who 
to pick up from there and distribute this through a channel and getting infected. There was a ransomware negotiator group as well. So this can be a combined collaboration from that part of it. For the enterprises to catch up with these things, again, of course, look at the way they collaborate, look at the way they exchange their tools and techniques between each other. So similarly, the organization have to keep up in terms of education, tools, techniques, how we can integrate all the layers that I have so that I can pick them at the right time and, and respond to it in a faster fashion. Mm. I, I do apologize. I guess I, I was going on, on more the psychological aspect as to why it's so lucrative, but a fantastic point that you've made there, Muthu. So now we're armed with this knowledge, right? We're a regular, legit business. Why is it so important to know the inner workings of these cyber criminal organizations? What can I do about it? Does it mean I got to love my workers more? <laughs> of course, that's the bottom line. We love our workers, they do, they do more for us. But again, it's two parts to it. As we understand, there is a cyber criminal business revolving around this and there's a profit line. That means the tax is going to get more complex and it's going to evolve. There are going to be more coming up next. So as a business perspective, as a business owner, you just right have to get into a mind saying that business cyber risk equates to business risk. If there are attacks, if there are issues, that's going to affect my operation of the business. Mm. So having a board conversation of cyber risk preparedness, let's say if there is a cyber breach in the next 12 months, I'm ready to handle it. And you, you pointed out as an introduction, based on the survey, there's a percentage of you know, users across APAC size and in the next 12 months, based on my preparedness to handle cyber attack, we may have some sort of breaches. So having that conversation back into a board, say what are the risks that's going on? A lot of business kind of move their assets and move their uh, data into cloud pre-COVID force digital transformation or to the business perspective, digital transformation. And there are a lot of risks there, which is pretty hard to really quantify what is the risk score of this organization. If they can assess this continuously and see where the gaps are, keep the board informed, and then evolve with their strategies of applying uh, right security tools, training, and things, this will help the organization to defend against these attacks and to be informed. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Muthu, I apologize if this next question is taking things a little bit too far, but let's see how it goes. Uh, in the past, we used to depend a lot on body language in the process of our investigation. These days, you've got AI that watches out for patterns, patterns in perhaps bank statements, etc., etc. Now, moving to the point of a legitimate business, how important is it for AI to monitor certain patterns within the business? Is that going too far? Are there privacy issues? Because, I mean, you you talked about earlier on how they might be doing cyber criminal activity part-time at night. Yeah, so you're looking at I know I'm taking factors. it too far. <laughs> yes, yes. You're looking at human factors. Yeah. So should I monitor yeah. my employee? Like, how is the behavior pattern shift and change? Well, it's there. Like, you can say things like uh, insider attacks. Like, sure. as part of, if you classify that, insider attack, how do I monitor them? Okay. So it's not a privacy issue. For enterprises, again, there's a proper screening process. Background checks and verifications became very important. And how they're using corporate assets, in a way, corporate data, what mm-hmm. kind of data they use. There are violations from the behavior. I really want to pick them up and mm-hmm. say, hey, what's going on with this? So there are other things, as you know, dark web and deep web, since the conversations tip out of this business side of the world, where we can even see that ex-employees sharing their you know, credentials out there and people trying to use them to, to launch an attack against the enterprise and so on and so forth. So it's important to not only just look into your internal attack surface, look at the external attack surface, cast the human factor in it, because that's where the attackers or the cyber criminals target, the human attack factor, and then how they pivot into the enterprises for additional attacks or even data exaltations, uh, holding ransoms, and so on and so forth. Mm. I suppose, Muthu, I mean, uh, as a wrap-up sort of question, what would your advice be to businesses right now? How can they sa- better safeguard themselves against you know these sort of cyber threats, it, overall 
level up their security to counter cyber criminal activity? So first thing, as we want to say, we want to able to have as a practice. You know, we used to, if we compare that, we used to assume that if I have 10 different insurance policy from 10 different companies, we think, okay, it's pretty much covered. But that's the gap. We may not know what sickness is mapped to what. But here, if the organization can able to integrate them in an integrated plan, in a platform-based approach, where they can continuously assess their cyber digital assets spread across multiple places, and based on that, having a visibility and discussion, putting a strategy forward to minimize the attack will really help. We also see in today's, I mean, in this year and moving forward, a lot of organizations are pivoting towards from tools, multiple tools, having a simplified architecture and moving towards platform-based architecture. So that will help them to connect the technology plus the people plus the process together. Wow, uh, it's an entire holistic approach. I do appreciate your insight. I've been speaking with Muthu Kuma, who is Director XDR Business Southeast Asia for Tread Micro. Uh, Muthu, thank you again. Take care and have a great weekend ahead. Pleasure talking to you, and it's a great weekend ahead. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.